In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> Beloved of God, grace to you in peace from God, our Creator, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When you are young, memory is an easy thing to take for granted. Remembering people's names, the lyrics to songs, the passwords to all of your various accounts, these things are all easy to remember for the young. But when you get older, not so much. I jot down little cryptic clues to my passwords, and then the problem is I can't remember what my clues mean. <laughs> I suppose one of the gifts of being a little older is that we don't take memory for granted. We know what a precious thing it is. The scripture readings for this first Sunday in Lent are all in some way related to memory. Specifically, they show us something about God's memory. The Genesis story about Noah and the ark and the rainbow graces the cover of many children's Bibles, but we do some major editing before we tell the story to our children. In it, we find God heartbroken about the state of creation, angry about how human beings treat each other. God is so distraught by this, in fact, that the creator decides to uncreate. Like a knitter upset by too many flaws in a garment, God unravels creation, preserving only a remnant. Just a few chapters back in Genesis, is the story of God ordering the waters, creating boundaries for them, separating the waters above from the waters below. No more. The waters were unleashed by a God who wanted a massive do-over. This is not an image of God that most of us are comfortable with, not one that we want to tell our children about, this God who is willing to pay such a high price for the sake of justice, which is probably why we focus on the rainbow and the animals two by two. But I confess, as I watched the news this past week, I had a lot of empathy for God. When I see what human beings are capable of, how we cause innocent people to suffer, and how violence rips our communities apart, I wish there were a way to start again, to have a massive societal do-over. It's got to break God's heart. I know that it breaks mine. And yet when all is said and done, God decides this is not the way to operate. 
These ancient stories depict God in such human terms, which is probably why they have endured so long. We can relate to them. We see God's internal struggle with what to do with injustice and disobedience. And then in the midst of this struggle, it's as if God remembers who God is at the core, a creator, not a destroyer. So God makes a commitment to God's self, a promise that never again will human sin be dealt with in this way. God hangs a bow in the sky, a weapon of destruction. When the bow is in the clouds, God says, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between myself and every living creature. We might think that rainbows are a reminder to us of God's promise, but according to this story, the bow reminds God who God is, one who gave birth to creation out of love, one who works through honoring promises rather than violent demonstrations of power. The rainbow is a sign of the covenant God makes not only with humanity, but with all living creatures. This is a pivotal moment in the stories of Hebrew scripture. When we read the whole story, we see a God who is sovereign and free to operate in whatever way God chooses. So it is an amazing grace that God chooses to bind God's self to a promise. The promise that no matter how broken and distorted this world is, God's desire for justice will never wipe out God's commitment to mercy. It is this bold and steady promise we hear proclaimed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel reading today is one we have heard two or three times already this year, the story of Jesus at the Jordan River, baptized, anointed, and sent into the wilderness for a time of testing. This story shares many images with the Genesis story. It's a different type of flood story. The waters of the Jordan River were not destructive, but cleansing, offering new life, new hope to those who entered in. The heavens split open at Jesus' baptism, but there was no deluge of chaos only the gracious words of God claiming Jesus as the beloved Son. The Holy Spirit appeared like a dove, a harbinger of a renewed creation, just like in Genesis. In these first verses of Mark's Gospel, Jesus is being prepared to enter into all of the things that broke God's heart in the Genesis story things that break our hearts today. Prejudice, violence, the suffering of the innocent. Yet through it all, he remembers God's promise. Jesus didn't meet violence with violence. His friends begged him to, but he didn't. He experienced the power of sin. He bore it in his body. And yet, in the face of death, he spoke words of mercy and forgiveness reconciling words that had the power to create a future. 
Through it all, Jesus trusted that the steadfast love of God is stronger than sin, stronger than violence, stronger even than death. In a time of great testing and trial, he remembered God's promise and he honored God's covenant. You and I are invited to remember this same promise. The steadfast love of God is stronger than sin and violence and all of those things that tear our world apart. We are invited to remember that God sees us as more than our wounds, more than our broken condition. I love the little prayer that's contained in Psalm 25, the appointed psalm for today. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions, but according to your love, remember me. This prayer reminds me that our transgressions are not the sum total of who we are, either as individuals or as a human family. God has promised to look on us with love and mercy, and it is in this love and mercy that we find our hope. We find our path forward, out of the mire, following the light of God in Christ. As God placed a reminder of the covenant in the sky, so we have symbols that remind us of God's covenant with us. Throughout Lent, we will begin our worship with the thanksgiving for baptism. We have moved a font here, front and center, to remind us that in the waters of baptism, God has claimed us. We have been joined to Christ Jesus, sealed by the Holy Spirit, marked with the cross of Christ forever. As children of the covenant, children of the promise, we go into the world to shine the light of Christ. We work for justice in the spirit of mercy. And we trust that unlike our memory, which is spotty and short, God's memory is everlasting. And it is in this memory and by this promise that we are forever held. Thanks be to God. Amen.